Hey guys, it's John. Uh, just wanted to let you know uh, we are doing a special episode uh, in tribute to the late, great Gilbert Gottfried this week. We're watching the uh, 2017 documentary Gilbert, all about him, with our friend Joe Fernandez. We're also having a couple people uh, call into our voicemail to share their memories and thoughts on Gilbert Gottfried. We've got Natty Bumper Car of the Bumper Podcast, which you can hear here on the Nonproductive Network. And we also have Kevin Meyer of Kevin Geeks Out and Atomic Abe. So that's what's going on when you hear those. Thanks. Dave from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. And I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. Hey, Darren, how you doing? Hey, John, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm excited because we've got a guest with us uh, today. We've got our friend and stand-up comedian, Joe Fernandez, with us. And he's here to uh, talk with us about uh, the late, great uh, Gilbert Gottfried. Welcome, Joe. Ooh. Hey. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Wow. Yeah. Joe, your mic sounds amazing. Holy hell. That oh, is, okay. Is, well. yeah, that deep baritone voice and the yeah. professional mic. Holy, holy <laughs> mackerel. I mean, he, he doesn't mess around. He's, I mean, this is not his first rodeo. Uh, like, yeah. Joe, Joe, how long have you been doing stand-up? Uh, I started, like, spring of 04. Oh, okay. Wow. You've you've been doing it for, for quite a while. And you've actually open for gilbert Gottfried, i understand yeah a number of times I, f- I feel like especially tri-state comics like gilbert's like that's sometimes like most of the local comedians like first headliner they open for in the area because gilbert like the, obviously doesn't care who opens for him so that's how you get in and, <laughs> <laughs> like it just doesn't and um because especially after you saw him pass away like everyone had their picture with him yeah so uh I feel like it's like a rite of passage for like East Coast comedy. Yeah, no, absolutely. He was definitely sort of a, a East Coast guy. Uh, I mean, I remember. I mean, I I first knew about Gilbert uh, from listening to him on like Howard Stern because he was like a Howard Stern regular, mm-hmm. and my da- my dad loved Howard Stern, and he would play it on the radio when he drove me and my sister to school. Which you know maybe he shouldn't have done with the you know driving little kids to school playing Howard Stern, but whatever. And, like, I got into Gilbert that way. And, like, yeah, he was definitely one of those guys, especially in this tri-state area, that was definitely, like, his home base. Like, he was probably most well-known there. Yeah, I was excited when I got – the first time I worked with him was at Bananas. Bananas had a club in Poughkeepsie, and they asked me to MC. And I was oh, like, nice. I was like, this is amazing. Because like, I emceed the jersey room. Like, you want to MC for Gilbert? I'm like, hell yeah. Even my wife, who was my girlfriend then, was like, I'm coming to that. Like, she hated shows, but that one she was mm-hmm. coming to. And I remember just being like real nervous meeting him the first time. So I'm just like, you know, I'm right. borderline open micer, you right? Know, at the time, but he was very quiet the first time, you know. Yeah. And you know, I even to this day, I'm still like, I don't like to talk to people. Like I'm, I don't like to, I like the shit to happen like naturally. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, there's just two uncomfortable short men sitting in the green room, <laughs> not talking to each other. I mean, that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. Co- comedy. Yeah. So it's almost like, like uh, Gilbert, this is uh, your opener, Joe. He's like, eh. All right. <laughs> just, just kind of looking each other over. Yeah. Because like, if you knew how to interact with people properly, you wouldn't be in comedy. <laughs> right. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, Joe, here, I mean, before we go off and talk more and more about the late, great Gilbert Gottfried, we always ask all of our guests the same question. Uh, just right off top, because we are the SNL nerds, we have to ask you, are you an SNL nerd? Are you a fan of SNL? Not so much. Casual fan? You got any favorite eras, favorite cast members? Let us uh, let us in on your uh, SNL origin stories. I would not say I'm a, a nerd. I'm a casual fan. I dip in and out over mm-hmm. the years. Um, probably when I was younger. I, I think somebody said that. Like Some people I've heard say like their favorite time of SNL was when they were like teenagers through high school. Yeah. That was what it appealed to more, I guess. So like my earliest memories of watching excited, my parents were divorced. So I would go to my dad's on the weekends and my, you know, who's cool dad staying up late, you know, and watching Saturday night live. And it was that John Lovitz era, you know, like, Mm, yeah, I I was actually showing someone, my aunt, I was in Florida visiting my aunt. And I'm like, did you ever see John Lovitz with, uh, 
uh, Tom Hanks picking up the women. It's like one of my favorite <laughs> SNL sketches of all time. Like we used to, we used to recreate that me and my friends when we were out striking out with women. <laughs> go like, on. We, we just go into the sketch, be like, and there she comes, and there, there she goes. goes. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Didn't even look my way. <laughs> There's nothing funnier than watching your friend strike out with a girl. And then he looks at you and goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of like watching other comics bomb. You know, it's it, yeah, it's, it's just uh, good times. Good yeah. Times. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah, that I mean, that is one of the sort of unsung best sketches of SNL. I, you don't hear too many people talk about it. But, yeah, I remember yeah. seeing that on I think when they were showing like reruns of it on like Comedy Central or something, you mm-hmm. know, when I was growing up. And, yeah, that sketch always. That always tickled me, just the way they were just just constantly getting, you know, shot down by women, and they were just masking it with just, oh, she's not even looking my way. Oh, yeah. didn't even <laughs> break that her one line I love? She didn't even get a glance at a shine on my forehead, and off she went. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Lovitz was, like, one of my favorites because he was so, like, understated but hilarious. Yes. Like, his, his comedy was so subtle, but it made me laugh really hard. Like, he wasn't trying. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. People don't talk about him as much these days. He's he's fallen by the wayside a little bit, but very solid cast member. Yes, absolutely. I remember liking Ed, like I guess when I was a kid, the Ed Grimley character. Mm-hmm. But then I remember rewatching it as an adult, and I'm like, yeah, this was definitely for children. <laughs> I mean, they made a kid show out of it. So yeah, yeah, he had a cartoon for a hot minute there. Yeah, but I even remember going to school and like hiking my pants up and. Doing the whole thing, like he was a, definitely a Halloween character those years at school for sure. Yeah, I yeah. I, I think I'm getting a little insight as to why the women weren't too interested in. Him. <laughs> hey, dude. I, yeah. Well. If you were like, I'm, I'm going to dress up like Ed Grimley. <laughs> no, I didn't dress up. Listen, when I was at school, I did great with women because they knew me. They knew I was funny. It's ah. strange women I'm bad with because oh. it takes me. A, I, I don't have the looks to get in right away. Yeah, and yeah. I can't get their attention enough for me to, for them to learn about my sense of humor. Got it. So that's so, a, it's a big wall to climb. That, right. I, I hear you. I hear you. I, yeah. I I know where you're coming from. Yeah. So inside the school walls, you're you know you're Cyrano de Bergerac, but outside, you know what I'm saying, oh. the class clown, it was great. Yeah, I wasn't <laughs> small. I wasn't good in school, so I made people laugh. That's, that's it. There, there you welcome, go. There welcome you go. to the club. Yeah. And that's why I'm codependent, because I focus so much on uh, women as a child and not <laughs> math. Oh, wow. We're, we're getting into the weeds here. <laughs> now, like, Joe, we've we've gotten to know you through comedy. And we were before we started recording, we were talking a little bit. Joe and I actually we kind of bonded in a weird way. <laughs> um, possibly the weirdest way. Possibly the weirdest way. We were, we were both going to. Uh, and an open mic that doesn't exist anymore because the the restaurant didn't want to have comedy anymore. Um, but like both of our fathers uh, passed away in 2005 and 2015. I mean, yeah. Um, and we were both kind of getting back on stage at around the same time. And and I remember we were both at this mic and we were both doing. We were both trying out our dead dad material at the same time. Yeah, if the audience wasn't mortified by the first comic's dead dad material, just wait, because here comes another. <laughs> and I, I remember being like kind of depressed. It was like, oh, geez, I'm here. I'm trying out my my dead dad material. And there's another bald comic here who's also doing dead dad material. And his, his dead dad material is better than mine. <laughs> Oh wow! Or if you went up before me, I'm like they're not like they're not liking dead dad material. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I can't. I can't remember which try one anyway. Went up first, but it was. I think we talked a little bit after that, and we we'd maybe met once or twice before that, but we didn't know each other real well. But we bonded a bit that night, and it's <laughs> the weirdest possible reason to bond with somebody. <laughs> dead dad, dead Jack jokes brings everybody together. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it, it brought everybody together in indifference that night. Me and me and John are outside, man. These bits are starting to work, and the audience is leaving very upset. Like, 
you remember dad? They're all crying. Like, this is not what I thought would happen at the comedy show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That joke yeah. has gotten me in trouble. I stopped doing it for a while because one time a fight broke out. Oh, really? I was, opening, I was opening for Jim Florentine. This is when I learned that I'm only going to do it when I'm headlining. Uh-huh. Because it's too divisive. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, it's not divisive. It's just if you're an unstable person and you're out uh-huh. and you hear, like, because a woman just stopped me in the middle of the joke says, how can you do this? My, this is so upsetting. My father just died. And I'm like, I don't know if you heard my story, but so did mine. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why Why we got to make it about you? <laughs> and so she was yelling at me so much that some other woman told her, told, started fighting with her, telling her to shut up. And they got into a fist fight. The show had to stop. There was a big brawl, like in the front row. Wow. And then oh. they're like, do you want it? It took about 20 minutes to clear it out. And they're like, do you want to go back up? I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I remember Jim Florentine goes up. He's like, I'm sorry. I brought my family out here tonight. <laughs> wow. I remember uh, years ago seeing uh, Adam Ferrara uh, perform and some woman had like some sort of health issue and and she had to be escorted out. I don't know if she was having a heart attack or uh, some something like that, but they had to literally stop the show. And then Adam Ferrara had to go back up and kind of get the crowd back from that because they had to stop the show because it was the only way to get her out. They were they were packed in so damn tightly. (laughs) Yeah, at this club, uh, and we thought the check spot was a pain in the butt. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And yeah, he but he somehow pulled it off, so I was impressed with that. Yeah. Oh my god! Wow, maybe so, that does don't bring people together. I take that yeah. right back. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Comedy. working nowadays. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> well, that's I, good. I start by telling people. Oh, sometimes that story about how someone made it about them and then they feel uh-huh. self-conscious, then they have to listen to me. I mean, that's good because, you know, it gets the people on your side. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Wow. Uh, this is, <laughs> I did not expect that story, but I love it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, speaking of dead dads, I mean, Gilbert Godfrey, let's talk about that. No. <laughs> I... <laughs> Smooth yes. transition. Man, this... Okay, we... This documentary on Gilbert Gottfried, it's it's just called Gilbert. It was made in 2017. Um, so it's only, it's only like five years old. And I got to tell you, this this was kind of a tough watch because you're watching him with his wife and his kids. And all through this, I'm just I, I just keep thinking, well, these these poor kids, they don't have a dad now. And they're they're still pretty young kids in this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, I mean, it was weird to see. I mean, just because, like, this uh, documentary, I, I I did enjoy it. I, I kind of wish it went a little bit, you know, deeper in a few things, uh, mm-hmm. subject matter-wise. I mean, for one thing that really surprised me, they never mentioned Saturday Night Live at all in this doc. I, they do not, no. That that surprised me. I thought that that's worth at least a, a passing mention, that he was in the cast of SNL and he was in the cast – that replaced the original cast. In they didn't mention the, it. I, I thought they did, but I, I guess maybe it was just in my brain. So I thought they did. No, I don't remember them bringing it up at all. And I was, mm. and you know, at a certain point in the doc, I was just like, okay, I guess they're not talking about it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's weird. Cause you think, I mean, they do talk about a lot about his, a lot of like sort of, you know, dark subject matter. And it's like about the passing of his mom, the passing of his father. They talk about um, his sister, who mm-hmm. has uh, you know stage four breast cancer, and they talk about the Affleck thing, the all that yeah. totally got into with uh, that tsunami joke, but they don't talk about you know the SNL when he was on it, like season six, the infamous season six. Like yeah. the closest they come to it is you see uh, they interviewed Alan Zweibel and Joe Piscopo, and that's yeah. kind of it. Like they I, probably I couldn't really... get uh, permission for the footage, so they were like, ah, we're just gonna gloss over this yeah maybe that's it 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 is kind of a forgotten era of snl and it's not something you never see those shows rerun or anything like that uh was that the anthony michael hall era no that it was a few years before they uh gilbert godfrey was part of the group that came on in 1980 so this is after like belushi and Aykroyd left i think after season four and then bill murray and all the rest of them left after season five and so they're bringing in a completely new cast. Lord Michaels left the show, and they bring in uh, Gilbert Gottfried, Charles Rocket, Denny Dillon, uh, Gail Mathias. 
Gail Mathias, you know, a, f- a few other people that you probably haven't heard of. And uh-huh. it's, it's pretty universally recognized as not a good season. The producer, uh, Gene uh, Dominion, was fired before the end of the year. And that's when they brought in Dick Ebersol. Right. And uh, Anthony Michael Hall and them came in. That was right when uh, Lauren Michaels came back. I think that was like around 1985 or so. I want to watch that season now because I'd be curious if it was really as bad. Because sometimes like when you follow something great, they don't Mm -hmm. even give you a chance. Yeah. You know, because like I, I always hear, you know, I mean, you guys will probably know because you're nerds about it, but um. Like I always hear people complain how bad SNL is. Like, ah, oh, it yeah. stinks, it stinks. But then I like I went and watched like all the original ones, like mm-hmm. like that first season, and I've watched some other ones. And you're like, I feel like it's the same ratio like every year. It's like every show's got like a good one or two. Like, like I don't, I don't know. Like, I never. I don't think it's as. I feel like some people think it was greater when they loved it more than it was. Yeah, they don't see it for like, I feel like it's been pretty consistent. I think you're right. I think it's that the bad sketches just tend to fade in people's memories. And Mm -hmm. especially because they usually edit it down for the reruns. Like a lot of times you see SNL rerun and they cut it down to like an hour show. They're cutting out a lot of the bad stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, depending on who you ask, some there are people that swear the Adam Sandler Chris Farley years were the best. Then people swear that the Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry, Molly Shannon years were the best. There are people that swear mm-hmm. the uh, Sudeikis, Will Forte, Kristen Wiig era was the best. Like, I if I mean, if you actually go back and watch all those episodes, there you know there's some great episodes, there's some bad episodes. It's all it's, it, it, I think you're right. Everybody kind of looks back on the past with a rose colored glass or rose tinted glasses or whatever, thinking yeah the era they grew up with was the best when all- you were and you were relating in that era hot, more like as a young person, like even like, you know, like the old references that probably make no sense to uh, even us. To that yeah. Show. I mean, it, exactly. I think it's not so much the show was better than I think it's the show was new to you then. So it, right. it seemed fresher and funnier and, and, and all that. And yeah, it was talking about your generation's stuff. So, right. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, as far as the season six goes with SNL, yeah, like uh, I've only I've only seen a uh, a few episodes here and there of it, a few sketches, and it doesn't look that bad. Like it, but I think you're right; it did get a worse rap than um than than people than it deserved. Uh, mm-hmm. I did see a clip on YouTube where Gilbert Godfrey was on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, and he talked about it there, saying, "Yeah, it was really rough. Uh, you know, they they cut our budget." And like people were just ready to hate it just because we weren't the original crew. It was kind of it would be kind of like if at the height of uh, the popularity of the shows of the show Friends, somebody just came in and just replaced the entire cast of Friends. And right. Like, people were ready to just hate us no matter what we did. And yeah, that's that season got a, a rough go of it. I mean, for those that, are, that don't know, the entire cast of that season got fired at the end of the year, with the exception of Joe Piscopo. He stayed on until season seven, and uh, Eddie Murphy, he was just a feature player, at in uh, that season. Like he became a like part of the main stage at, at the, I think like maybe towards the end of season six, but definitely by season seven. And how did that work out for him, Darren? Um, you know he's doing all right. Okay, all right. You know if you look at this documentary, he has a lots of uh, leather cowboy hats to wear, and <laughs> <laughs> Got- yeah, uh, I remember. It might have been the Joe Rogan interview with Gilbert Gottfried or, or with somebody else, but I saw an interview with uh, Gottfried a few months ago where he was talking about the SNL experience, and he was saying that the, his big takeaway from that was he learned that you don't want to be like the first guy to replace somebody. Right. You, you want to be like the second guy. <laughs> to, mm. You know, it's like I, I said on the podcast last week, it's kind of like George Lazenby coming in and taking over as James Bond. From mm. from Sean Connery, there's no real upside to it because people are always going to be resistant to that change, especially when you're replace, replacing the first and most beloved guy in that role. And that's is that kind of what they humans? were doing. Is that interesting that we're just like we're just that attached? We're like, you know what? I don't accept you. It, <laughs> doing this fake character. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, 
And, and it's that way with everything, you know? I mean, yeah. hell, it, it happened with the, the freaking man show on Comedy Central. They they took out, uh, like, uh, uh, oh, yeah, they took out um, Jimmy Kimmel and uh, Adam Carolla stopped doing it. And then they brought in two other guys. Yeah. And, yeah, and it crashed and burned. Yeah, it happens every year, every time they make a new Batman movie. Or mm-hmm. a new or a new Joker movie. Everybody's like, "Oh, they got so and so to play Batman. No way, he sucks." He turns yeah. out he does a good job, and you know, life goes on. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, and if you make ten Batman movies a year, like it seems like they do, one's got to really hit, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> just law averages. Yes. You know. Playing the odds, they'll they'll like one of them eventually. I mean, we've got ugh, how many people are playing Batman now? I think I think about three. I think so. I think we're up to like a baker's dozen or something. It seems like a lot. It, it, I mean, I love Batman, but even I'm going to say it, that seems like an excessive amount of Batman. If Batman was real and they were doing the stories about his life, he'd be like, all right, guys, we get it. <laughs> we, you know, come your on. parents are dead. All right. There's other superheroes. Let's go. Tell your yeah. dad. Tell your dad dad jokes to the open mic. Let's, yeah. let's go. <laughs> I bet Batman's got a good dead dad joke. He must. He must. I mean, that's. <laughs> there's actually. I. I How is that was... not a sketch? There's a. There was a short story I read once where it was about Batman going undercover as a stand-up comedian, and he just totally sucks as a stand-up comedian because he's just not funny. <laughs> and he he finally has a breakthrough when he he goes up and he does a bad joke about his uh, his dad dying. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, yeah. Well, Batman, like, you can't have it all. Yeah, yeah exactly. There, the there has way. to be a few things that Batman is not good at, and I'm going to guess open mics is it's one. Like of when the you see a handsome Batman. guy do comedy and he kills, you're like, really? Yeah, really? really? Is, you you got to take that to too for us, <laughs> guys. I'm right here. Come on, man. <laughs> we know that. Uh, yeah. So uh, I mean, so so Joe, what did, what did you think of the documentary? Uh, had you seen it before this? I did. It was the second time I watched it just to get a refresher. And I loved it because uh, I don't know. I just lo- I I'm such I love comedy. I can watch mm-hmm. any documentary about the art of stand up comedy or comedians. Um, I just I eat it all up. Um, you know, not that I knew Gilbert like on a really tight personal level, but like mm-hmm. it, it was just interesting to learn a lot about him, you know, and. Yeah, I think the, I mean, people the, people always focus on the weird part of that documentary about him hoarding like little bottles of shampoo and stuff from hotels. Mm. But I think mm-hmm. the weirdest part was him washing his underwear in a hotel sink. Oh, I that, that probably is weirder. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's, you, you got to have a certain level of like uh, success where you don't have to wash your underwear in the hotel sink. You would think it was, I think, I don't know if it was just those habits were so ingrained from when he was a struggling comic or, or what, or if it was like an OCD thing. I, I don't know. Uh, That was, that was weird to see. Yeah. Yeah. But I I did learn, he did teach me that, uh, that suds, um, are just put in soap because it makes people feel better. That doesn't do anything. I didn't recheck his statement on that with Google, but I believe them. Yeah. I mean, that sounds plausible. Yeah. It's just like one of those things that people expect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought the weirdest thing was that they mentioned it really quickly, but the fact that he does yoga, I thought uh-huh. like, does yoga? Like, I just don't see Gilbert Godfrey as a yoga enthusiast, but I was like, all right, I guess. And, um, yeah. As, and also as far as the hoarding thing goes, like, like I've seen that firsthand, with mm-hmm. Gilbert, I, I probably told a story on the podcast before where, like, uh, me and my buddy, John Accardo, like, we're, we're huge David Tell fans. And uh, we somehow managed to get into, like, um, I think it was David Tell's, like, album release party, the Skanks for the Memories, or mm. or the DVD. Like, he had, like, a DVD of Insomniac, his show and Comedy Central come out or something like that. And we were able to get into a party and hang out. And we're like, oh, my God, there's David Tell. Oh, my God. You know, just, you know, comedy nerding out. And I did see Gilbert Godfrey by like the snack table, just like kind of taking some snacks and putting them in napkins and kind of putting them in bags and kind of making his way out. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this, this, the legend is true. 
<laughs> That's funny. I mean, I hadn't heard about the hoarding thing, and yeah, apparently he was he's kind of legendary in his cheapness. Um, which you know, again, he's he's living in in like what I guess is a penthouse apartment in New York City. So yeah, he's not hurting for money. Yeah, it's a I nice guess place. sometimes those old things of being poor just are hard to leave you. Yeah, I think so. Sometimes, think like so. you know, yeah. I you you just still he could you know if you if you come from nothing you're probably just like I just need just in case you never know. Yeah, yeah, exactly because you're you're afraid it's all going to go away any no. any minute. <laughs> Absolutely, and yeah, like um, I just really enjoyed how I learned all these things, like um, like how he had a wife and a kid, because like no one could believe that no one can wrap their minds around the fact, including himself, that he had a wife and kid now, because I've, I've always thought this, like Gilbert is like one of those comedians where it's just about the jokes with him. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, and by that, I mean, you know, like this, like, um, at like, uh, David Tell is one of my favorite comedians and I know he, he's hilarious, but, but outside of that, I don't know anything about him as a person. Like, I don't know, if he's married, if he has kids, if he's divorced, I don't know his political leanings. And a lot of times comedians, they'll interject like their personal lives and, you know, be confessional about who they are on stage. Mm-hmm. But with Dave, it's just a joke. All I know is that he's really funny. I don't know anything about him as a person. And Gilbert's kind of like that too. Like, you know, he has these jokes that are hilarious, but you don't know anything about him. You don't know, you know political leanings, married you know, gay, straight, you don't know any of that. You just know he's funny. I think like Jessamo kind of does that too. And um, yeah, it's just about uh, the laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Daniel Tosh too. Yeah. And like, so the fact when, so I'd never even thought, I just thought he, I, in my mind, I always thought he was like just a single guy. So when I found out he was like, oh yeah, he got married and he has kids. I was, that did kind of mess with my mind just a little bit. No, what the funny, I remember like opening for Gilbert, one of my favorite things, because a lot of people didn't know how filthy he was. Uh-huh. So like I I remember one time opening for him at the Comedy Cove and uh there's kids in the audience with Aflac ducks for him to sign like stuffed <laughs> Aflac ducks and pictures of that parrot and he it's just so it like I'd be standing there by the table with him and he's like a kid will call me he's like oh my god you were at this show I'm sorry <laughs> like yeah cuz he did just some filthy stuff and these were like little kids and I'm like oh this is great Oh boy, yeah, it's, it's a culture shock. A yeah, culture. yeah, kind of like when people would see Bob Saget or something like that. Yeah, right. They're, they're going to see the nice dad from Full House, and then uh, no, not so much. Yeah, he's, he's gonna it's gonna be a little blue. But yeah, you're like, yeah, this guy has kids. Like he's like like because the filthy stuff that's coming out of his mouth, and then you wonder, yeah. is he insulted by people like, man, Gilbert has kids? Like really? That's <laughs> it's so shocking. I wonder if that insulted him. I don't think so, because he seems shocked by it, too. Yeah, he, he was probably like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I get where that's coming from. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he even says in the documentary, like, if I, if me from 10 years ago had seen my life today, I, I would not get it. I would not understand it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he was as sense. flabbergasted as anyone, I think. His father, I think in the documentary, his father died like almost the same age as he did. Yeah, they said his dad passed away at sixty-six and Gilbert was sixty-seven. So that yeah. was that was kind of eerie. Yeah. Um that he outlived his dad by just like one year. I wonder and if his dad had that same condition. I don't know. I, I don't remember if they said what his dad passed away from. Yeah, they didn't. I was just thinking that. I'm like, wow, that's pretty coincidental. Yeah, that's that's pretty eerie. Yeah, they really didn't get into like like uh, that. I mean, they they got into it a little bit about his relationship with his dad, about how his dad was always kind of, you know, a stern man, and he was like a handyman back in Brooklyn, and he was always kind of upset with Gilbert, thinking he was like a, like a lazy liabout. He dropped, you know, they take Gilbert dropped out of high school, and he was just always afraid that Gilbert was just going to be like a, a loser and a nobody, and then he passed away when Gilbert was like eighteen or nineteen, and. Like you can tell, that still messes with Gilbert in a way. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's always a, like you know they talk about a little bit like how a, a lot of comedians are comedians just to sort of I mean they, they they get into it to make everybody laugh, but they definitely in their mind have one person in particular, one person in mind they want to 
make really laugh and show them that they are somebody and you know have made it in a weird way and i think with gilbert that might have been his dad yeah i mean but they also show paul provenza saying like yeah that's true of a lot of comedians that they have that inner turmoil and they're they're trying to make up for something that was lacking their childhood but he was like but you see that in other occupations too so i love that he said that yeah that was that was really cool. I thought that was one of the more interesting quotes uh, from it's the doc. True. Yeah. yeah, we all kind of. That's why, you know, what it is. It's like we all kind of. Everyone in life has these things. Comedians have this extra craziness where we feel the need to tell people about it publicly. Mm-hmm. That's where extra crazy. And that's why people laugh because they relate with our right craziness. Right. No, absolutely. Like, uh, yeah, I, I always love Paul Preventa. I don't know if. if has any of you guys ever seen the show on Showtime, uh, The Green Room? Loved it. Right? It's such a great show. I wish they did more of it. Like, But it was, <clears throat> for those that don't know, it's basically uh, the show Paul Provenza hosted years ago on show. Showtime kind of buried it. They didn't really promote it that much. But it was like, it was literally just him and a bunch of comedians just talking in front of an, you know, just kind of shooting the shit in front of like an audience full of people, almost like tough crowd a little bit. Yeah, it's like yeah. recreating The Green Room. Yeah, yeah. And it, I always liked how they had, like, different comedians, too. Like, they'd have – there was one with a young Bo Burnham, and he was there with, like, Ray Romano and, like, like you Marin. know. Yeah. Yeah, like Ron, yeah, like Ron White and stuff like that. Or and there was one with Patrice O'Neill and Roseanne and Bob Saget. Mm-hmm. It was always, like, a mix of different comics from different sort of, you know, areas. and But they all have this thing of comedy in, in common. And it's, like, you know, you, you get some interesting conversations that you don't – really see anymore oh maybe on podcast you hear them but you know yeah yeah. if you can find the green room on showtime people i highly recommend you check it out thank you (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah and if this uh this documentary it also gave you like some sort of an insight as to what his real character was i mean it did acknowledge that there is that there was a delineation between his onstage persona and who he is offstage, where he's much more quiet and shy offstage. And then onstage, he was a pretty fearless guy. And and Joe, it sounds like your experience with him uh, was a, a bit of that. Like you didn't get to know him real well or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, as the year over the years, I got to talk to him a little bit more and more because you get used to seeing somebody, mm-hmm. you know, and uh uh, one thing that stands out to me, actually, I performed with him at a theater, like right before you know everything shut down. Like it was one of my last shows was opening for Gilbert out in Pennsylvania, mm. this small theater. But like, um, there was a time when I was in a green room. I forget which show it was, but there was something going on in my life with like my wife and stuff with, you know, sickness and stuff, and and I was talking about it with the other comic in the room. And Gilbert uh-huh. was kind of off his thing, whatever, you know, just being in his own thing and then whatever. So like a year goes by, I'm working with again, working with him again and we're sitting there eating and he goes, hey, Joe, can I ask you something? And I was like, sure. And then he, he asked me about my wife and I was like, I didn't even know he was listening. Oh, wow. And the fact oh, that wow. he asked like how everything was going, I was like, oh, my God, that, you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. You're like, I wasn't even talking with him about it. That's very cool that he remembered that, though, and that that says a lot about him as a person, I think. And that was the most I talked with him because it. When he asked me about that, then we started talking a little bit, and then um, he's like, "Do you have any kids?" And I was like, "I have stepkids." And then he was talking about his kids, and it was like mm-hmm. the most we ever, you know, bonded for. I'd oh, say wow. you know, like a fifteen minute period, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. And then uh, next time it was just back to being quiet and. <laughs> you know you think you made head you're like yeah me and gilbert are pals now and then you get we had a breakthrough we had a breakthrough and you get there and you're like hey gilbert's like "Eh." you're like all right here we are (laughs) (laughs) but it was always very nice no but he 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 was always very nice to me and always would tell me i did a good job and like you know i would work with him a lot at the same places so yeah usually the club says you know a guy like of his level i'm having this guy open for you and they approve it so yeah. Makes you feel good to get to work with him over and over. Yeah. And it's nice that he didn't, he, he liked what you did enough to allow you to do it again. 
Right. So, and he was funny, yeah. man. Let me tell you, like, if people haven't seen him live, I mean, I'm talking crush. He would, like, like I'd go up and have, like, a really good set. I'm like, man, that was, because, like, when you opened mm-hmm. for him, it was, like, mostly sold-out audiences. Right. Were just, like, ready to go. And a lot of times, there's a two-man show, and you get this really hot crowd. And you're like, man, I can't imagine it going better than that. And then he goes up, and then the laugh he gets, you're like, wow. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know you can laugh louder. Like, that's, <laughs> like, he, like, the, like, just crushing i mean he was he was just a machine and i think like early in the documentary they show him doing jokes from his set and then they cut to him doing the exact same material in other sets and i think it kind of gets across that no matter how spontaneous a comedy show can seem it you are still watching prepared material and it is it is a routine i mean there's a reason they call it that yeah Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I also liked how they gave such a raw look at the life of a stand-up comedian a little bit, just because, like, there were scenes where, all right, well, you know Gilbert, he's this amazing comedian, he's well-known, like, you know, Aladdin, Affleck, and whatnot, but then they still show him uh, getting on the mega bus to do a show, and then, like, sitting in the green room, which is, like, in the small room in, in the back of the bar, yeah. like, and, he's, and he's sitting on a worn-out couch next to boxes of stuff. Of, of crates and stuff in the back room. And he's like, yeah, this is showbiz. This is, yeah. this is, the mega bus it. shocked me. I wouldn't even take a mega bus. Like, the mega like, bus is hilarious. I get paid I, way I, I, they showed that. Gilbert. And I was like, I know exactly in the city where you are. You're right by the, the, uh, the convention center where you're catching that. Um, and the mega bus is hilarious because they've got that mascot. Who's in that, that khaki uniform with the hat. And some there's there's like a vent or something that's on the back of the bus that sometimes it lines up right under the mascot's nose, so it looks like a little mascot of Hitler. Oh boy, <laughs> it's the weirdest <laughs> thing. I don't know how you see that once and you don't immediately change your mascot, but yeah, <laughs> people on megabus is like, no, nah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, when, but when uh, seriously, whenever I see a megabus, I keep. I, I instantly think of the Hitler. And when it lines up exactly right, it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, funny. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah. What about the fact that, like, this documentary, I mean, it kind of showed that he was, like, the first comic to get canceled. Yeah. That, yeah. I still remember that whole like, thing. Like, cancel culture kind of started with him. Yeah. I mean, because he, he got, they they showed that, uh, well, it happened at the, at the, the Friars Roast of Hugh Hefner, after <laughs> it was like less than a month after 9-11. Yeah, I think it was like a like a week or two. Yeah. Like they yeah. weren't even and calling it 9-11 yet. Yeah, yeah. I, I forget who said that. They were like, yeah, we weren't even calling it 9-11 yet. It was that thing that happened a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And and Gilbert gets up and he's like, oh, I've got to make this fast. I've got to catch a flight, but they've got to stop off at the Empire State Building first. And Imagine hearing that, and the, and this the roast was in New York. Jesus. Um, and, and then the, they also talk about how he was the voice of the Affleck Duck, and he made some tweets after the tsunami, which questionable taste at best, I would say. Right? Question. And listen, questionable taste, but that was before people were getting in trouble for tweets. Like you didn't even yeah. know. Like you like. Back then, he thought, I'm just I'm posting to my fans that know what I do. Right. You have right. no idea that this can totally upend your life. Yeah, and then it goes viral, and and then within a day or two, he is fired from what I'm sure was a very lucrative uh, oh, spokesperson game. had to be. National yeah. commercials being the... Yeah, I mean... Yeah. He, it, it was a... Uh... It was a cash cow. That duck was a cash cow. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, it's a bummer. Yeah, like that was the that was one of the first people to really, like, feel the effect of Twitter and the, and the outrage. It was yeah, because he wouldn't do that again in hindsight. Because he doesn't want to risk anything for a tweet. Yeah, true. Like, yeah, like true. if you had an act that you did, and you're like, well, this is what I created. It's you know, mm-hmm. you got but like, you know. Yeah, Twitter, it's it's like off the cuff stuff. And um, and they they make the point that 
Yeah, there was no malicious intent. It was just him riffing. But the thing is, I mean, people don't really judge you by your intent. They judge you by your actions. And so, yeah. People right. And it like, was never any Japanese people that were mad at him. That's the always thing about a lot of these cancel things. It's yeah, never yeah. the target well, of I, the jokes are never the ones that are mad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure they were concerned with other things at that moment. Right. <laughs> but it's always that you tell them about it. Yeah. Like, but yeah, it's always people who are offended on the behalf of someone else. Right. Like if, 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 yeah, it could have just gone into the ether, gone into the feed and not hurt a soul. Mm-hmm. But it's like people, they have that gotcha mentality that, oh, you know. Yeah. Like this is what I'm being outraged about today. Like, I mean, I saw this literally last night on Twitter. There was like Bill Murray is, has a part in Aziz Ansari's new movie. And apparently they shut down production on it because somebody reported some sort of inappropriate behavior on Bill Murray. And that is literally all there is to the story. Yeah, so they're not getting they're, specific at all. Yeah, the studio is is performing an investigation and you know seeing what went on, what happened, and if any action should be taken from that. So it's like there's nothing to react to really, but... I was already seeing tweets from people being like, oh, well, I know exactly what happened. And I'm like, no, you don't. You're, you're just filling in whatever gets you most outraged. And yeah. yeah, and I'm not I'm not necessarily defending Bill Murray because I don't know what he's accused of <laughs> and neither do you. And so it's silly to get outraged about it. I mean, it's just like everybody wanted to get on the outrage train ahead of time, which was the weirdest thing. People love being outraged, and it's disgusting. Yeah, it's, it's like, ugh, I can't even. T- yeah. I had I had a back and forth with somebody on my on my Instagram. I'll tell you about off mic. Okay, <laughs> it was insane. Yeah. All right. Like it's, um, it's, it goes back to the people like you know being offended on behalf of other people. Yes. Yes, but we don't need to bog down the podcast with this dumb story. Yeah, no, it's okay. But yeah, I think you're both right. People just like to be angry and enraged without knowing all the facts. And yeah, I mean, but that's like how the internet works. A lot of times they'll just post a headline of something that'll get you feeling a certain way just so you'll click it or Mm -hmm. let or share it. And you don't even read the context. You just see a headline. It makes you feel a certain way. And then you're already engaging in this thing. You don't quite understand or know what it is right and it's just yes that's how that's how the internet works yeah and and yeah and and now sometimes you see a thing that's like hey do you want to read the article first before you share this yeah (laughs) most people are like nah nah headline's good i got it all (laughs) i scanned the headline i got the gist of it i thumbed it i know he's evil yeah canceled yeah i read nine words i got it Yeah. yeah And I, I mean, and, and not that, you know, people shouldn't uh, suffer the consequences of their actions if they do something heinous, but it's like people are just so quick to judge on that. And it doesn't even matter what it is. And it, and it just and it can happen so damn quickly. I mean, especially with comedians, it's jokes, man. Yeah. Jokes. yeah. Like I always tell I, people like, yes, like if I go into my job and say some of the things I say on stage, I should totally be reprimanded. Right. But like if I'm on stage or on yeah. my comedian Twitter account, it should be taken with a grain of salt. Yeah. I, I keep thinking that there was years ago, there was a woman who who made a tweet before she got on a flight to Africa and she made, you know, and it was a dumb joke and it was a, in bad taste. But by the time she landed, she had it had gone viral and she had lost her job. Right. Yeah. I yeah. Remember that. I remember that. Yeah, that's insanity. I mean, can you, and and. Like there, there was the dentist who who was like hunting lions in Africa, I think, and then people got outraged about that, and and his entire office closed. So not only he lost his job, but everybody who worked in his office lost their job. And I'm like, that's a bit much. Yes, you know, he should, he should be beheaded. Yeah, and it's like, well, okay, well, but what about the receptionist in that office? Does she need to be beheaded because of how this guy spends his off hours? <laughs> Drawn and quartered, yeah. all of them. I mean, that's that doesn't seem right. And it's like, and and the people who are outraged about this, they're they're outraged about something else the the next week. They don't care. They've moved on to the next thing. What's yeah. funny is they were shot. They were mad at Gilbert's nine eleven joke, but he did the aristocrats joke. Mm-hmm. Where 
it's like pedophilia, incest, right? <laughs> just the most disgusting, vile things. And they're like, right. well, "Isn't it great?" Yeah. And you're like, and and that's what got the crowd back. That's, that's what got. If you can't get them with nine eleven, you gotta yeah. go to pedophilia and incest. And and that's what I admire about uh, Gottfried is he didn't he didn't back down from that stuff at all. He would double down if anything. And that was as a, as a comic, you have to admire that. That's a real. That's 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 what real comics do. Like I've seen, like Patrice O'Neill do that. Mm-hmm. Like where it's like I've heard him actually say to the crowd, like, "Listen, man, you guys better lighten up. Either you ain't taking me down. I'm taking us all down. Like, <laughs> like, like if you're gonna be, and it wins them back. You know, it's like I'm just gonna go harder. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm not that type of comedian, but. It, Damn, do I admire the, the guys who are. That, that's incredible. Yeah, well, you're not like an offensive comedian. So if someone was offended by your act, I'd be like, you will have to be the most sensitive person on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> like, you shouldn't even be out in public. Exactly. <laughs> he said words into a microphone, and that's very, I have very sensitive ears. I feel, I feel like he's not sensitive to my eardrums. Yeah. I would, I would like him drawn and quartered, please. And it's, some people, they always make the mistake of taking every comedian's material literally and it's like well no they're exaggerating they're abstracting they're they're not actually doing all the things they're talking about you know Mm. absolutely (laughs) yeah oh man uh but yeah like but i think with gilbert he uh yeah it it was weird i liked i liked in this doc how they kind of showed both sides of him uh like Mm -hmm. even they talked to richard kind and they even say yeah he was He's both uh, a demon and an, an angel or something like that. He said, mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's the sweetest person in the world. But also he gets on stage and says, you know, these raw, these, these raw jokes. Like uh, at one of the roasts, he said, uh, Cloris Leishman's uh, tits are so old. One says whites only and the other says coloreds. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but no, it's interesting about Gilbert being dirty like that is like because it said in a documentary that he was very like like hoity-toity about being clean when he was younger like yeah yeah. he's easy which is always what i've heard and i remember robert schimmel one of my old favorite comics Mm. he i have a video clip of him where he's like people always say doing dirty comedy is easier and he goes i think it's harder he goes it's easy to go up to a crowd and tell people what they want to hear but it's Mm -hmm. harder to get a group of strangers to laugh at something you wouldn't say anywhere Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's more of a, ta- you know, I mean, I mean, smart, dirty comedy, but it's right. it's just, it's cr- it, like Gilbert found his success doing the thing that he was against. Mm-hmm. I think that's like goes to show like you got to kind of like just feel yourself out and you know what I mean? Like, don't give yourself yeah. any rules. Right. That's true. I mean, it does, it does take you a number of years to discover like what kind of comedian you want to be and what what kind of comedian you can be. I wish they'd maybe delved a little more into what made him make that switch, you know? Yes. I, I felt like they glossed over that a little bit, you know? Yeah. And I also kind of wish they uh, talked more about, like, how he got his persona, that whole, I mean, what, like, the, the voice he puts on, the mm-hmm. his squinty eyes where he, he he's yeah. always, his eyes are always, like, half open. The way he holds the microphone super awkward. Uh-huh. Like, he's just uncomfortable beyond beyond anything like how did all of that come to be i thought i I, I thought they did say something like that didn't he say something where he was like kind of going up and he didn't even know where it came from he just you know like this like nervous energy was just oh right maybe i feel like it was something character and it was working yeah i feel like it was maybe something they went over so so quickly that it kind of flew by um that sounds vaguely familiar though yeah Right. Yeah. It was just, just trying I, I, out stuff. And it I think worked. that's what I could. Cause I, I remember like him, like, like on the stage at like, it was like the con, like I'm visualizing like the comic strip or something. One of those were when they were talking about that. Yeah. And that's the thing about his, his, uh, per, his persona. It's, it's one of those personas where it's uniquely him. No one can really duplicate it or replicate it. I mean, like we, we came up in the era of comedians where everybody was kind of trying to be a tell like I remember seeing a lot of people trying to be like Zach Galifianakis, a lot of bearded comedians, you know, a lot lot of comedians trying to be Mitch Hedberg. I don't remember too many people trying to be like Gilbert just because his thing was so uniquely his 
Yeah. That, like people would automatically know, oh, you're trying to do Gilbert if anybody <laughs> tried to, to do it. Yeah, you can't do anything. Cl- Every, I, I see like the young comedians now are very much like Mark Norman. That's what I've been seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's the style. They're all copying. But Gilbert, you can't like you would just look like a fool. Yeah. He really would. I mean, his style was so uniquely himself. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That'd be great, though, if you see someone just trying it. Like, like that whole. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. And yeah, <laughs> like doing the voice and the squinty thing yeah. and the, the gestures. That would that would be weird. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> a 20 something in a Gilbert voice, like just talking about. Dating apps and whatnot. And I kind of want to see that now, though. Talking about kombucha or whatever people in Brooklyn talk about. Sure. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, back to this doc. Um, I did like a lot of the stuff they showed him on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the scene where they showed him going to that, um, that uh, I guess, that, that history war reenactment uh, convention. <laughs> Oh, and that was guy... so funny. Oh, my God. That was that funny. And one guy comes to his show... In a Nazi uniform, that's just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, I'm, I'm sorry about this. Uh, yeah, yeah and, and Gilbert's like, "Why? It's it's pressed." <laughs> it's, and he tells him a joke that just bombs. Oh, it's, yeah. it's good to see a Nazi bomb and then walk off. Oh, mine. Like, uh, oh, <laughs> it's nice to see when that like a Nazi was still capable of feeling shame. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of it, by the way. Big, okay, get... <laughs> yeah, that was bizarre. Yeah, just him like walking to the convention center, seeing like swastikas and stuff. It's yeah, it was just like ah, oh, I feel a little, a little awkward here. <laughs> but like, everybody was super welcoming. Yeah, was, like like oh yeah, we're big fans. Hey Gil, what are you doing here in here in Illinois? <laughs> Well, that's got to be weird. You know, you're just like just Gilbert of all people just like rolling up on you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. You don't really expect to see uh, Gilbert Gottfried out in the wild like that. Well, because the first thing everyone sees, like, because if you saw another celebrity you'd be like, oh, hey, it's like whatever. But like Gilbert, like, you know, he has that voice. So like you're like, oh, it's him. And does he sound like that? Like, right. It's probably all that's in your head. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's. <laughs> yeah. Because it's uh, that voice. He doesn't really drop it ever like he's in every interview you see him in he has the voice every um movie he's been in they talk about the movie he's been in like a problem child beverly hills cop 2 uh ford fairlane he always Mm -hmm. has the voice yeah yeah i mean because that was what people expected that was kind of what they were paying for and it's kind of i like me and my buddy were talking about this the other day it's like kind of cool when you don't know much about your celebrities yeah, like yeah. Uh, like that. We because my buddy is like in the music industry. He like draws uh, like album art and stuff. And we we're talking like we missed the days where you didn't know your favorite rock star's political views. Yes, or like yeah, how they grew up or like the issues they had. You're like, I just want your music, man. Yeah, and and I kind of admire that when a celebrity still makes that sort of division. I mean, they're there are a number of celebrities I have no idea if they're like married or if they have kids or not. And part of that's like my personal disinterest in that stuff. But, uh-huh. but there are some celebrities still who do make a, a clear dividing line. And I, I admire that. That's why we like a tell too. Cause like you, you don't know much about him, but you don't care. Yeah, yeah. exactly. He's just but funny. He's just he's funny. funny. Yeah. So, he just, he just wants you to know that he, he'll, he'll only let you know what he wants you to know. He just wants you to know he's funny and these jokes are funny and that's all. Mm-hmm. that's all he wants you to focus on and know. And I'm fine with that. And he dresses in like a hoodie. He looks like he just got out of driving an Uber. <laughs> and then he's mm-hmm. like the most brilliant comedian. Like you, you said skanks for the memories before to me. That's yeah. in my top. If it's not my number one comedy album, it's one a, like that's yeah. how much I love that's that. That's such a solid album. Yeah. I listened to, I listened to album so many times. I like, I can, for a while I could like recite the entire album from memory. Like I, you know, I remember a few things now, like, you know, like, oh, I, I travel a lot. I hate traveling. I guess because my dad used to beat me with the globe. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I remember a few things like that. But for a while, that album was getting heavy replay on my, uh, you know, Toyota Corolla CD player. <laughs> sure. Got, like Gilbert, he don't put out, didn't put out albums or specials, just a straight up 
road. I mean, he was selling DVDs after his show. He's got the merch table set up. After I never show. saw See, when I worked at him, it was always, he always sold headshots of himself. Wow. And, and of okay. the pirate. I never saw DVDs. Huh. But I guess, wow. he, so I guess he had a special. I never saw it. I don't know. I, yeah. I mean, yeah, one day he left me at the table with his headshots. He's like, okay, these are going to be 20. And then he walked <laughs> off and I'm like, just the dude selling Gilbert pictures to people. Yeah. You're working for him now? You're I was working mer- for him now. <laughs> You're his merch guy? I was his merch guy. I sold a lot of headshots of him and a lot nice. of pictures of parrots. And, uh, did you, did you get a freebie? I got nothing. I got a thank you. Can you help me carry these to my car? (laughs) (laughs) Showbiz. Hey, what are you going to do? All right. Well, (laughs) well, uh, final thoughts, guys. What did you guys think of the the documentary overall? Do you think it does a good job of portraying who Gilbert was? I do. I I think it was uh, very well done. Like you said, it could have delved more in, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess now that I think about it, like the, the Saturday Night Live stuff would have been nice to hear more about. Yeah. But I felt it was more about his personal self than more about his career. Yeah, yeah. I think mm. it, it just kind of gave you the highlights of his career. And maybe yeah. I, I just think, you know, SNL, it's I mean, it's such a, a well-known show. I think it would have been interesting to at least briefly mention that. Mm-hmm. But maybe it's something he didn't want to cover. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I really wished. Yeah, it, it does go more into Gilbert Godfrey the person rather than Gilbert Godfrey like you know his uh, his work, how he came up and his and all that stuff. Because like mm-hmm. it, it it really goes from him doing stand up at you know the Improv and you know Comic Strip Live and wherever, and then it just hops to him doing straight to movies. Like it doesn't yeah. show you. It doesn't really get to like how he got his big break or all the other things that happened. Like, I really wanted to see more Saturday Night Live stuff. I mean, it was nice to see Joe Piscopo and Alan Zweibel in there. And uh, yeah, no, but yeah, yeah I, re- I really wish they would have delved more into how, how he, you know, came into comedy or who was and, his com- comedy. And I, w- I would have loved to hear, heard more about his podcast. This podcast is amazing. If you haven't heard it, um, the uh, Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. And he talks to yeah. a lot of interesting celebrities. They show him taping a few episodes with, uh, Jim Gaffigan and Dick Van Dyke. And I think Richard Kind was on the podcast as well. And, and he had a real rapport with uh, these celebrities and it, and it really showed that how well liked he was. So that was cool to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah, overall I like the I like the uh, doc. I think it's, I think it's worth uh, giving a look. See. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely worth seeing. Uh, I, I watched it. Uh, it's free on Peacock right now. I think it's on a couple other streaming services at the moment. So yeah, check it out, guys. It's it's Gilbert from uh, 2017. Well, we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, that's the episode, guys. Thanks for yeah. thanks for uh, listening. And uh, Joe, thanks for being here. And uh, hey, you know what, Joe? Let's talk. Let's talk about your web series. How about that? Mm. Yeah. Little Birdie told us you have a little web series. Yes, thank you so much for letting me promote my web series on your awesome show. I want to thank you again for having me on, first off. And I would love sometime in the future to come on and talk about like a week's episode of SNL like you guys do. I thought that was very fun. If you oh, do that in the yeah, future, love, where, like, I watch that, that week and, and dissect it with you. That would be a yeah, good Yeah, if, if there's a host you, you're really into or something, or if you just want to do some random episode, yeah, you're welcome anytime, man. Cool, yes. man. Yeah, so the web series called I Don't Know Joe. Um, it'll be on my YouTube for free, premiering May 4th. Uh, two episodes a week for three weeks. Then the final episode will be on the fourth week. Um, the nice short little micro episodes, you know, five minutes, eight minutes. It's a short comedy. I wrote it during COVID lockdown. Um, got a lot of funny people in it. Um, and it's just basically about this guy who's asking he's just seeking help in his life and just doesn't change <laughs> just, <laughs> like he yeah. wants help people give him help but he just he rarely changes and it's just meant to be just a nice fun easy watch so, yeah it's uh joe showed us the the first couple episodes uh before we started recording and yeah it's it's funny stuff and it's got some of our uh, comedian friends some of the ones you've heard on this podcast like uh, jackie byrne and uh, kp burke are both on that uh, a few other yeah. Comedians uh, we know and like, like Mike Gaffney. Uh, yep, Mike Salona. Um, Mike Salona, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was fun to make. Um, and, you know, I'm just putting it on YouTube because I just want more people to see it. So 
Go uh, Joe, Fer- Joe Fernandez with Fernandez with an S. I always got to tell people that because everyone puts a Z and nobody finds me. So, yeah. <laughs> Fernandez with an S on YouTube. Go subscribe and uh, like the videos and I hope you enjoy it. And that's All coming right. out uh, May 4th. So, yeah, check that out. And uh, are there any uh, upcoming stand-up dates you want to promote? Yeah, where, where can the people find you? Um, well, my new web, my new website should be uh, long, uh, going up in a day or two, joefernandez.net. But I'll be uh, headlining Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club down in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. Give me one second. I'm getting my... Actually, I'm not there till July. So you have plenty of times to buy <laughs> tickets July 20th and 21st. Um, I have other gigs, but um, they're like fundraisers. So you're not coming. Okay. Those. Well, you know, call up Uncle Vinny's and say, hey... Are you selling tickets to Joe Fernandez? He's in like, July yes, we yet? have plenty. Let him know that there's a demand. <laughs> We're trying to build anticipation here, Joe. Okay. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, All right, I mean, guys. I think that's it for this week's episode of SNL Nerds. Thanks as always for listening. You can always uh, check us out on uh, Twitter at SNL Nerds Show or check out our individual Twitter accounts. Mine, for instance, is at Trumbull Comic, T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And mine is at Darren Credible, D-A-R-I-N Credible, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you're, you're on the Twitters too, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Joe Fernandez with an S on everything, but Twitter, I couldn't get that. So it's Joe Fernandez 75. Joe I, Fernandez, 75, because you are 75 years old. 75 years old. <laughs> oh, great for 75. You you uh, look amazing, my friend. I look awful for 47, but great for 75. <laughs> 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 All right. So, yeah, give give Joe a follow. Uh, he's he's a funny guy, and go see go see him live. Go, go support live stand-up comedy in general. Yeah, do it. Yeah. Unless a person sucks, then don't bother. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So next week, uh, SNL is still off. And since uh, Billy Crystal is opening on Broadway with a uh, Broadway show version of his movie, Mr. Saturday Night, uh, Darren and I decided we're going to watch the original movie version. So we'll be doing that next week. And uh, then SNL will be back with Benedict Cumberbatch and Arcade Fire. So tune into that next week. Uh, but until then... Nerds out. And here's Kevin Marr of Kevin Geeks Out and Atomic Abe talking about Gilbert's time on SNL. Hey, Frank, it's Kevin. I was remembering back when Rolling Stone magazine used to do a comedy issue. They did two of them. Uh, One of them had an article about Saturday Night Live and different cast members and people in comedy were remembering Saturday Night Live. And Gilbert Gottfried had an amazing quote that I still think of this is you know almost 30 over 30 years later he said saturday night live no longer has to be good or bad saturday night live is a restaurant in a good location and that just uh really changed the way i thought about the show i thought that was uh in addition to being really funny this guy was sharp and observational just uh in the way he understood the world and media and yeah, it's a huge loss. I'm grateful you guys are, are paying tribute. Thanks. And here's a personal memory from Daddy Bumper Car about Gilbert. The year was 1994. I was in college, the University of Georgia. There was an open audition for a show called Lip Service that was on MTV. It's hosted by someone named John Ailes. Well, me and a couple of friends, we decided we wanted to give it a shot. We went, we auditioned in Atlanta. We made it to the next round. We were flown to New York, and uh, then we got to the set. The host was John Ailes. The DJ was Spinderella of salt and pepper fame. And then the three judges were uh, Angie Martinez. I forgot her name for a second. Craig Mack, who had a very big song called Flava in Your Ear right then. Um, I believe it was on Bad Boy, if I'm not wrong. And... Mr. Gilbert Godfrey. So we went out, and our song was Groove is in the Heart. And uh, we were all wearing overalls because we were from Georgia, and we thought that would be fun and cute. And we were doing our little uh, our little, our little dance to our, our lip service song, and uh, I got to be the Q-tip part, which I thought was kind of fun. I still know it by heart to this day. No one cares. After we performed... 
you know, the judges were kind of going over. I don't remember anything that Angie Martinez said, but I specifically remember Gilbert who said, uh, <laughs> he said, that one has a lot of flavor. He has a lot of flavor. He kept saying I had mad flavor. And at the time, I had no idea what he was talking about because I didn't realize it. I'd never heard Craig Mack song because I was in Georgia and it wasn't played there as much. But uh, to this day, it, it, it uh, holds a, a, a wonderful place in my heart that, that Gilbert Godfrey thought I had mad flavor. 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 That's flavor. So it was, uh, it was a good time. And the, the next group, I, I know you want to know what happened. The next group came out, and it was these three girls. And they were doing backflips, like, in unison. <laughs> Embarrassed us on such an epic scale, uh, which kind of made the story perfect. In the end, we ended up winning a box of uh, lip gloss, which, I, I mean, wonderful. Great for me, right? And uh, so there were three of us. The one friend flew back on the flight. My other friend and I, we decided, we thought, can we, you know, delay our flight? We did by a couple of days. And then we just roamed around New York City with nowhere to stay for a couple of days. And it was the biggest, most fun adventure ever. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.